Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, Martha Gonzalez learned this month she was a winner of the MacArthur Genius Grant, one of two California recipients of the $800,000 stipend. Gonzalez is a professor, a feminist music theorist, frontwoman of the Grammy-winning East LA group Quetzal, and a self-described Chicana Artivista, or someone who uses their skill to instigate critical dialogue and serve the community. We'll meet the newly minted MacArthur Fellow after this news. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. This song is called East Side Sunrise, and it's written and performed by my guest, Martha Gonzalez, and the Grammy Award-winning band, Quetzal. In addition to being the band's lead singer, songwriter, and percussionist, Gonzalez is an associate professor of Chicanex and Latinx studies at Scripps College, a Chicana Artivista, and, as of this month, a 2022 MacArthur Fellow. Martha Gonzalez, welcome to Forum. Thank you for having me. Really glad to have you, and, and of course, congratulations on winning uh, MacArthur Grant. Can you tell us first how you got the news? Um, it's about a month and a half before it was announced, um, and uh, I was in my office getting ready to teach, uh, and I, you know, I answered the call a call because I thought it was my air conditioning folks and it was really <laughs> hot it was a really hot moment here in LA and uh, and um and then they told me the news and I was totally shocked and you know I think I 
dropped a couple of f bombs and <laughs> you know <laughs> i thought it was a, a, i don't know a joke and i just disbelief for quite a while but yeah, yeah. who who was the first person you told um the only per- we were only allowed to tell one person and i told my partner Quetzal oh. Flores yeah because nice. he's been he's been a huge part of of the work that we've we've done this work together so i you know it's just it's so to be singled out was a little odd i have to say and you know and uh, but yeah <laughs> yeah when you say this work also the song that we just heard east side sunrise mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about it it sounds lovely and you definitely picture a sunrise as you're hearing the music yeah, it's it's the beginning opening track to an album we recorded um, in Quetzal a couple of years back, uh, and it, the al- the entire album is dedicated to um, urban animals. Right, mm-hmm. we work a lot in the son jarocho genre, and the son jarocho genre is really uh, um, reflects the lyricism and the poetry reflects a lot of, you know, the land and like the landscape and animals and. And uh, and so we, inspired by that genre, we decided to write an entire album based on urban animals and the kinds of animals we see around here in the urban space and the kinds of things where we can possibly learn from them. And so that's kind of just like um, opening track right before we start with our first track, which is called Rooster. <laughs> ha ha. Makes, that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you're quoted by MacArthur as saying that, that you believe that participatory creative practices are tools of dialogue that are generative and an important part of the lexicon of social justice movements. And I'm thinking about how you notice the urban animals uh, that you share the world with, but also it makes me think a lot about um, one of the things that you do that I was so curious about. It, It was called the collective songwriting process. And I'm wondering if you could describe what collective songwriting is. Yeah, you know, as, as a musician, you know, I utilize my skill sets in different contexts. And the collective songwriting method is one of those um, methodologies that we've developed out over time. And, um, and it's basically writing a song, (laughs) just what it sounds like, and that is writing a song with the consenting community, right? And the idea here is that we're really in the room as facilitators and not trying to impose or influence the songwriting process in any way, right? We have the skill sets to do it. I can write a song all by myself in my living room. And that's truly not the point. The point here is to engage the community in a kind of dialogue. Um, You know, we write semantic charts, we, um, throw ideas around and 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 my job is sort of to continue to ask questions and and sort of prod why folks are choosing certain words over others how we negotiate the word um the uh lyric building process and so um although the goal at the end of the day although the goal is to write a song together um what happens is something much more important and that is the process right i really try to signal to the process that is taking place, um, the kinds of um, words we're using, uh, the way in which our imaginations take flight, 
um, the way in which we're, you know, sometimes we're called in, for example, to do collective songwritings in, in moments of, of, of great um, um, strife, right? Like um, whether it's about um, Black, um, Black Lives Matter issues or the state of houselessness and the greed crisis in, in housing, um, all of these things, right? The way folks um, theorize through the act of writing songs and music together um, is just uh, fascinating. And we come to the kinds of conclusions that we wouldn't come to had we been in a boardroom, in a boardroom, uh, sitting around a boardroom table, having some kind of intellectual discussion. I think that art and music challenges us to think in ways that, that we wouldn't normally do. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you more about that just in terms of how um, foundationally, it's a songwriting process, how that enables or what effect you feel like it has on the dialogue that's emerging from the group? Um, it really, uh, you know, when you, when we, when I'm in a room, and folks are dealing uh, with a difficult subject, right? If we put our creative thinking caps on, Right. Um, I think that like poetry, you know, uh, you don't have to sort of it's not you don't have to build the kind of narrative that is tied to some kind of um, like a linear narratives. Right. Yeah. We can use words in ways that are um, free, that are we can juxtapose words in ways that are um, and rhythms and melody, of course, that are that give us another way of thinking about the world and the problems, of course, but, but also solutions, right? We're kind of dreaming together in ways that we can't do when we're trying to formulate a sentence structure or build a, 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 a write a manifesto or, you know, a speech, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I feel like folks really, the creative process is another way of theorizing right, about our lives. But more importantly, it's a way of really visualizing um, the, our futures, right, dreaming together, and which is what we're going to need to do um, and um, is dream together. But also that dreaming really brings us, um, makes us a lot more bolder about what we want for the future and, and how we're doing, how we're going to need each other and be together to do that, right? Well, we have a cut from a song that you helped the Seattle Fandango Project write collectively called uh, Las Semitas, Las Semitas, or The Little Seeds. Mm -hmm. uh, let's mm -hmm. hear a little bit of it right now.
did this this song come about, and, and what is it that that you feel like came out of the process of collective songwriting in terms of the message that people wanted to share? Right. Well, um, this song was written a couple years back with the Seattle Fandango Project. Um, it's in the guise and the style of the Son Jarocho, which is native to the state of Veracruz, and uh, we had. Um, we're part of establishing, my partner Quetzal Flores and I were part of establishing the Seattle Fandango Project, which is um, a community, grassroots community there in, in Seattle that really focuses on the Fandango, which is a participatory music and dance practice native to the state of Veracruz. And so we were visiting, um, we've, we had left years prior to move back to Los Angeles um, because we lived in Seattle for a while, about six years. And um, when we came back home, we decided to create a, a, conduct a collective songwriting workshop in the actual workshop space where we usually just jam and learn Fandango. And so one of the things they wanted, the group wanted to focus on was the importance of the youth that are in that are learning there alongside with us because a lot of folks in the project, the Seattle, the SFP, um, have a lot of kids, you know, and that particular community has been really mindful of, of um, centering the kids at least for part of the two hours of workshop space. And so, um, you know, some of the ideas that flowed through the, and that the community wanted to express were how important our children are to us, how their um, their learning um, and our examples and how we relate to each other as community, how we're building out, um, you know, our our bonds, our how we work through our problems, is extremely important to their spiritual well being and their, um, you know, what that they're learning, that they're watching us and and how we are the ones that are watering and tending to the seeds. You mm. know? We're talking with Martha Gonzalez, 2022 MacArthur Fellow from California, East L.A., actually. And we want to hear from you, our listeners. Do you sing or make music with other people on a regular basis? And if so, why? Email forum at kqed.org. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. Or call us, 866-733-6786. 866-733-6786. We want to know what... The process of making music or singing does for you. And we'll have more with Marta Gonzalez after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking with Marta Gonzalez, Associate Professor of Chicanx and Latinx Studies at Scripps College, a singer, songwriter, and percussionist for the East Los Angeles band Quetzal, and now a 2022 MacArthur Fellow. And you, our listeners, are invited to join the conversation. We're curious if you sing or make music with other people often or on a regular basis and, and what that experience is like, why you do it. Or if you've combined art and activism, or remember being affected by participating in or witnessing the combination of art and activism, or if you just have questions for Martha Gonzalez, you can email forum at kqed.org, find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum, or call us 866-733-6786. Marta, we heard uh, Las Amitas just before the break. I'm curious what you hear from people, what people tell you after they participate in the songwriting, collective songwriting process with you? Mm, wow. Well, it's always most, I would say 99% of the time is transformative, right? Mm. I think folks are like, wow, I didn't think we were going to be able to write a song together in an hour and 15 minutes. This is crazy. I can't believe we did this. I've always loved music, you know, and, um, and I, this was a great experience, right? I've had people in tears, just be totally inspired by it. Folks take out their phones and record what they've done together with others. I mean, all sorts of, of, you know, positive sort of feedback about the experience. Um, some folks also, um, say things like, you know, I wish we would have used this word over another. I mean, it's not like it's all uh, the fun and games, but <laughs> as soon as, <laughs> as soon as I point out that for me or for us, or what we're trying to do here is not so much that great. We have a song and the natural impetus for most folks that are experiences for the first time is to like, Oh wow, we could record this. I bet and play it on the radio. Right. And that's not the point. That's never the point. The point is really because, you know, that's the capitalist impulse, right? Like we, we make or we buy music, um, we sell or we buy music. That's kind of the social arrangements of music that we've all grown up with. Most of us have grown up with. The point here is to recognize that we've been through a process that has been um, enjoyable, um, that we've you've created something with others and that it's as fleeting as the wind, you know, the clouds going by, but that we're, we pay attention and we are mindful. It's kind of like a state of mindfulness. And we gauge the success of the workshops by the depth of participation. Mm. Right. Uh, Well, let me go to a caller. Monica in Oakland is on the line. Hi, Monica, you're on. Hi, um, I love this topic, and I'm a singer, and um, I, I sang when I was much younger, like in college, and then in my 40s, I started singing again through an, uh, a company called Bandworks, uh, which performs here out of Oakland and San Rafael, and they get kids and adults together in bands, 
And, um, you know, you don't really have to have much musical experience and, and uh, you do covers. And I've been doing it for about six years and it's just brought me so much joy um, and happiness. And the beautiful thing about it is at this age, I'm not trying to land a record contract or anything. I'm just trying to have a good time and be creative and jam with other musicians. Uh, Monica, thanks. Uh, I love hearing what Monica was saying because I've heard you say also, Martha, about how this isn't about making money, making, uh, you know, music, uh, making music in a way where you're trying to think about, you know, the product. Uh, Is that, why is that really important with regard to this process? Well, we, we, and and I love what Monica said. Absolutely. I can see why she is enjoying this. And, uh, you know, it's sort of, um, and it's, I, I hear those stories a lot, right. Where folks come up to me also and say, I used to play music and I don't anymore. And I left it because I can't make any money. And my parents said I had to do something that was, that I could really make a living off of. Right. But that means that we don't have a culture that really supports that in our, in our, in our Western world here, right? Everything is about commodities and everything is about making it. And, um, and everything is about if you're, the success in music means you have a record contract, you go on tours and you, you know, and you, you know, basically um, waste away in many ways uh, to, to an industry, right? You're a slave to an industry. And, and uh, that is not, Number one, if you really know the industry and if you do your research, it's exploitative. <laughs> and the industry is, you know, I mean, Spotify and all these other ways in which the uh, record companies are trying to continue to gouge artists and take hold of intellectual and creative property. I mean, all of it is just, it's just, it's just all a facade. It's all, you know, and so once you realize that, uh, you know, um, I think it's important for us to recognize that the capitalist system in so many ways has fundamentally arranged how we relate to our creative selves. And these are the things that we need to undo and unpack, realize, and go back to what music was originally intended to. I mean, there's, there's uh, 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 what the music was originally intended to, right? Why we even began to make sound and rhythm as human beings. And that is, it was a cathartic exercise that we did with others. It was a way in which we, we bonded. It was, um, you know, a way of healing for individuals and communities. And I truly believe that if we made culture of these kinds of practices, again, in all kinds of ways, reaching back into our original um, ethnic cultures, but also invent ways of being together creatively and in our communities that there might be less mental health problems and uh, less violence perhaps and and a lot more um, sort of undoing of all the, the stress and tension that the world gives us, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me go next to Antonio in Santa Clara. Hi, Antonio. You're on. Hola, como están ustedes? Muy bien, gracias. <laughs> I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, Quetzal is one of the greatest and, you know, the only band that might be greater is Celso Pina. 
Cumbia sobre el Rio. And, and I just want to say thank you because Quetzal, you are so fantastic. I just, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Mucho amor. Gracias. Thank you. <laughs> it sounds like you've got quite a fan. Thanks, Antonio, for the call. And, and I'd love to talk with you more about Quetzal. Uh, well, first of all, one of the things that you talked about earlier before the break was about Fandango. And I've, and I've read and heard and can hear that Quetzal has brought Fandango to Southern California. So, so first, can you describe a little more of what Fandango is? You talked about how it is from Veracruz and so forth, but, but could you describe um, a little more about it for people who might not be familiar? Okay, well, first of all, we didn't bring Fandango. <laughs> I just want to say that. Um, we are practitioners of Fandango, and there are many practitioners, hundreds of practitioners in the state of California, as well as all over the United States at this point, and even in Japan and France and like, you know, and what Fandango is, 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 is a participatory practice. And for lack of a better word is, um, you know, a fiesta, right, that has music, um, the music of the Song Jarocho. And so just as a reference, um, one of the most famous Song Jarocho tunes or sones in the genre is called La Bamba. You know La Bamba? Mm-hmm. Right. Para bailar La Bamba. Mm-hmm. Right. Richie mm-hmm. Valens made it famous in pop right. music, etc. But um, the, La Bamba is just one son of many sones that you could possibly play during this fiesta. Um, it's participatory, transgenerational. There is mu- the music. There is uh, the poetry embedded in the music and as part of the lyricism. There is a dance, percussive dance on a wooden platform. Um, you know, uh, there's a call and response uh, format to the actual practice, and uh, really, it's it's a, one song could last like um, an hour if it feels good, if it's grooving, if it's has energy. Um, there's a whole protocol on how we participate. And the most important thing is that it's not performance. It's participatory, right? So we, you yeah. don't have, you have folks that are highly skilled and almost they're and masters of the craft. And then you have beginners standing side by side, playing together, learning from each other, um, you know, uh, interacting in the music and the dance and the, the poetic practice. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's absolutely, um, cathartic. You can sweat things out there. People, you see people cry, you see people, uh, fall in love. (laughs) You also, uh, watch people fight, you know, it's just, uh, it's a community that has been built out over many years, thanks to the direction of, especially one group in particular, they're called Mono Blanco and they are from, um, Veracruz. The uh, state of Veracruz, the capital, and um, but originally from uh, Tres Apotes, especially Gilberto Gutierrez, and a lot of the the different members of that have gone through the the Mono Blanco group have um, been very generous with their information, with their with the fandango itself, with the teachings, with the workshops, and so we're just one small, you know, members of our group have help facilitate, you know, this dialogue um, by early on, by raising money, bringing these guys over 
um, having them, you know, teach in communities here, um, you know, and then there's a very informal um, dialogue amongst the different states and different parts of the state of California, for example, the Bay Area has a huge Fandango community um, uh, here and, uh, and so and Los Angeles has a very thriving one as well as as well as um, uh, Santana, um, Chicago, you know, and we're all sort of via Facebook and now Instagram, we've been just communicating across these mediums and, and uh, you know, share, uh, sharing contacts and, and, you know, connecting to maestros and, and, uh, and it's, you know, whether it's instruments or shoes or um, building out tarimas, which are the wooden platforms that we dance on. I mean, it's all, it's a whole network of people that are part of this community that, can, that gives us all life in so many ways and helps us connect to each other mm. and, um, and to a greater purpose. I, I want to play a song by Quetzal, Traga Fuego. And in the song, I understand we can hear the tarima. Yes, we can. Um, so in this case, as Quetzal, you know, we're influenced by this culture. We're part of it. You know, we're part of the community. But then we're also artists, right? We, um, we take um, influences of this um, influence and you can hear. And, and I create rhythms on the tarima that are you know, rooted in Fandango, but also have West African and other kinds of rhythms, being that I'm a percussionist in, in a greater sense as well. Yeah. Okay, well, let's hear it. Lanza el aire el traga fuego, su sueño por la noche, sai, su sueño por la noche. Más el sueño que iluminan ese oficio entre los coches, ay, ese oficio entre los coches. Fuego, fuego, la lumbre y su dueño, en cada pecho arde la rima, risa si un sueño. Fuego, la lumbre y su dueño, en cada pecho arde la rima, risa that's Traga Fuego from Quetzal. And we're actually getting uh, some questions from listeners, from Quetzal fans. This listener writes, can you tell us more about how Quetzal started? What are some of the stories that Quetzal tells? How did it get no. started? Well, I joined Quetzal two years after the, or, you know, the band was started. Um, Quetzal Flores is the founder of Quetzal. He's uh, born in Salinas, a son of, of Chicano activists um and um it he started the band in 1992 1993 excuse me um after the uprising at um the riots here in los angeles mm. and with the desire to sort of express a new sound in chicano music you know prior to this you had the punk rock scene in chicano music but also you know the santana and like um, you know, especially in California, Santana, War, and like um, Tierra and stuff like that, uh, wonderful music like that. But um, he felt like he wanted to really try to explore other sounds. And so um, he started the band and, and, uh, and I came into the band in 1995. And, um, and I would say that every band member that has come and gone within Quetzal has really always influenced the sound. It's um, Quetzal as a band is really about building uh, relationships, you know, and, and dialogue and music. And so 
um, the members really make the sound. And um, I think the longest standing members have been myself, Quetzal, Tailana Enomoto on violin, and um, Juan Perez on bass. So you were born in Boyle Heights. How has that shaped or informed your musical sensibility? It's, it's, it's fun. It's foundational, you know, mm. uh, Boyle Heights has, is so diverse in, uh, in music and experiences. Um, you have people here that are, you know, uh, mostly Mexican, uh, um, descendants, right. Um, immigrants. So you get to hear everything from, you know, what Mexico music is and can give, which is, you know, boleros, uh, rancheras, uh, banda, mm, uh, son jarocho, son huasteco, you know, and then other Latin American influences like son montuno, salsa, right? Um, and on top of that, you have also what we get here in, in the U.S. and, and with um, black communities here, you know, uh, soul, R&B, hip-hop. Uh, so we have all of that in Boyle Heights. You know, we have rock and jazz and um, Boyle Heights is known for their backyard bands and um, there have been many that have come out to continue on and, and we're just one of them we're just another band from East LA to take Los Lobos line <laughs> <laughs> well this listener tweets I grew up in a big family where music or plays were always part of holidays my older brothers were and are both fantastic but all of us could join in yes great for a cause or community but also great for the soul of an individual it, yes. it is your partner the head of Quetzal uh, you are the lead singer songwriter percussionist of it I understand your your son also plays music as well so it is also for you a family affair Oh man, yes. My son is another level, I have to say. <laughs> He's a wonderful musician. He grew up with it. And I'm proud to say that he understands there, there are two different um, value systems we espouse here in the household, right? One is like the way we play here at home and we're just jamming out. We, we can play for hours. It's one of the few things that pull him away from his phone or his iPad. Um, and then there, of course, there's the value system of the stage, right? If we're at home and we're rehearsing for something like, you know, the value system of the stage is something else. It's like we we are professional musicians as well, and that is a whole other level of, of preparation. Um, but the home life and music is about, uh, again, another cathartic exercise, or he understands the value systems in Fandango. You know, he's a wonderful song, requinto player. He plays Leona, he can sing, he plays marimbol, you know, he, he's all of the instruments in the, in the, in the craft, in the, the, the practice. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's wow. definitely a family affair for us too. Hmm. Um, also, my, my, bro, well, we're my coming husband's... up on a break. So finish yeah. that thought right after. Stay with us, Martha Gonzalez. Okay. Got it. Thanks. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com.
We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking with 2022 MacArthur Fellow from California, Martha Gonzalez. And uh, Martha, just before the break, you were talking about the principles that your family uh, plays by and, and how they're different for home and the stage and so on. Did you want to finish your thought there? Yes. Sorry. Um, I'm just going to say that. Um, and I myself come up from a musical family as well. My brother's a singer for a very wonderful band here in LA called La Verdad. His name is Gabriel Gonzalez. And um, and then my my husband's um, sister, Sochi Flores, is part of Cambalache, um, who married in with who married Cesar Castro, who is one of the maestros and a member, former members of Mono Blanco, which is one of the group that I mentioned earlier. And so music is in our family. My niece also plays amazing um, piano. Um, and so, yeah, where music is just runs through our veins in many ways, many levels. Well, Gina writes, Martha is an inspiration and re-inspiration. I write collective songs with my community of activists. It helps encourage people to be creative and courageous in what they want to bring into the world, change, hope, and ideas that transform the world. Creating together makes activists of artists and artists of activists. She is a genius indeed. Uh, Let me go to caller. Thanks, Thank you, Gina. <laughs> yeah. Let me go to caller Fred in San Francisco. Hi, Fred. Thanks for waiting. Hi. You're how on. are you? Thank you. Um, so I, I have a question or more of like a comment. You know, um, Israel bans anti-apartheid Palestinian music and has been doing so for decades. And what that has done is influence Palestinian culture and music to become more politicized than other cultures because of the context that it's being generated from. How, how do artists, you know, come to grips with the context in which they're creating music and staying within, you know, authentic within their own voices without, you know, being politicized some, in sometimes very extreme ways? Does that... Huh question makes sense? I think I understand, Martha. Um, I think that artists will find ways of generating the ideas they need to generate in subtle and more overt ways, uh, in all kinds of ways, right? And I think that the urgency is what drives oftentimes an artist. Um, There is, um, and again, you know, some folks um, uh, will be more overt than others, but um, I think it's all important and necessary. And sometimes people feel that um, music shouldn't just should just be entertaining. It shouldn't be something that you know really prods people to think, or you know. And I don't necessarily believe that. I think that artists that is our job. As, as, as a 
people that are expressing and have been given a gift or you're cultivating a gift or whatever, you know, you have, that's our responsibility. I don't think that the world would have changed in any way or for the better, or we're going to change anything without artists. Is that what it means to be an artivista or, or what is an artivista, Marta Gonzalez? Well, an artivista is not unlike an artist activist, right? We, of course, I myself, you know, again, you know, we're in Quetzal. We talk a lot about our communities, about the problems in our communities, the beauty in our communities as well, how we thrive, how we hope to change the world, of course. But I think an artivista really signals more to what I stated earlier, and that is process, right? That we're really also about, it's not enough anymore in our society and in every, in our highly consume, you know, consumer society to yet sell on something else, right? Our, our, our own music, right? Where we commoditize everything. Um, that's not, that's not challenging anything anymore or not as much as we it used to, right? You can take revolution, package it, put a barcode on it. You can take that and sell it and sell some Nike shoes with your song, you know, what you thought was challenging a system. Um, I think that we as artists need to go beyond that and cr create methodologies and um, use our skill sets to instigate uh, critical processes, you know, like the collective songwriting or engage in participatory aspects of music and using our skill sets to pull others into the actual process so that um, our minds uh, can be transformed, but our bodies are, are also engaged in, in these processes, you know? Yeah. Uh, let me go to caller Mark in Running Springs. Hi, Mark. You're on. Hello. Um, I'm my, uh, uh ethnomusicologist and a linguist, and I worked in West Africa for 15 years, uh, 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 forming and leading groups. Uh, it was an ecumenical organization, and um, we, I worked with in nine different uh, languages, and uh, I never wrote, I only wrote one song, and that was in Eve, which I speak fairly well. But the other nine languages, I was just a facilitator. And I would only ask questions as a linguist. Mm -hmm. If you say it like this, do you sing it like this? Because all of the qua languages I was working in uh, are tonal. So mm -hmm. the text itself determines what the melody is. Uh, anyway, so over 15 years uh, with the nine uh, different groups, uh, we, well, they, you know, with my facilitation, uh, wrote over 2,000 songs. Wow. 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 Wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, well Mark, thanks for, for sharing that experience with us. And it, it is, I mean, what you tap into, I think, with all of this blending of so many different, I don't know, different sounds, ideas, and and not just that, but also goals that it sounds like people have for communities, for themselves, um, that are just sort of based in making the world essentially a better place, right? Because <laughs> right, and and connecting with others in ways that are um, not thought of as important, oftentimes, right? In rare cases, um, it's sort of like learning to grow your own food. You spend time. Uh, you water it, you go out and look at the 
every day at the seed before you know it you have a little bit of green sprouting through and then it grows into this beautiful tomato right and then you eat it and after that you say wow I just did that I just grew some food um, and this is amazing I can feed myself right and so making music staying involved in music or learning a craft like music or another craft it, it could be something else it could be quilting with others it could be uh, cooking with others making it a kind of communal activity involving yourself in a kind of convivencia what I'd like to live with right to be with and in community with others in a creative act brings us back to our humanity um, and um, in it allows us to engage in dialogues that we might nor not normally make or take time to do. And that is that is the, the purpose here. And it's not that I want to sell everybody <laughs> again with the selling um, collective songwriting or just Fandango. I mean, there are so many things that you probably have in your life that maybe that or in our root cultures that we take for granted or we haven't really looked into as something that is viable that will connect us to our humanity again which we need so much of right now um, to step away sometimes from our phones and to, you know, engage with others, be in community with others and really give it the time and energy that it deserves so that we can we demonstrate to our kids and to the people coming after us that this is important. It's an important way of building out the future in so mm. many respects. Is that what you would say to people who are curious about making, just making music, but aren't sure where to begin to look to their roots, to their, yeah, cultural roots? Yeah, absolutely. Try to look into your roots or uh, be a part of, of learn a craft, you know, learn, begin to try to learn a craft. There are so many free workshops out there. Um, look for, if you, Fandango, if you're curious about Fandango, look up communities in in your area that are teaching the craft um you know most fandango workshops will not charge um that's kind of part of the ethics of it right that somebody taught you for free you're going to teach others for free and you're just going to pass on that information the way it used to be passed on and that's just spending time together and having meals and that's something else right it's not in the fandango there's we're playing music and we're engaging in this convivencia through music but we're also eating, we're having food, we're sharing food, we're libation. I mean, you know, all of these things are part of the practice. Um, and, um, and that's just, uh, and it's not, and it's with, you could, it could, you could be related to the folks there, but you're also not related to people and you develop relationships and, and watch people have babies and you, you know, you grow up with them and now they're older. And now, I mean, this is exactly what the, um, communities here in Los Angeles have done and you know we've done in Seattle Fandango project and you know we we become family it's like a muse, extended musical family which is really um, beautiful in times of need and and support emotional and spiritual support and and um, and you know it's just it's just a beautiful you know thing to belong to but but everybody has this in their root cultures right I think that American society, oftentimes, the idea is here is to shed yourself of your roots and who you were or what practices you came from, what language you spoke, and um, assimilation is part of, of forgetting and, 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 
you know, and uh, am, am, cultural amnesia. And, and that's not what we want. We want to go back to that. We, I encourage everybody to dig back into their own root cultures. And if it's too far back that where folks forgot, then, then restore, um, reinvent, um, create, you know. Well, Paul writes, much of my childhood exposure to music included Pete Seeger and Paul Robeson, my namesake. And when I learned to play, I started with Phil Ox, Tom Paxton, and early Dylan. So politics has always been part of music for me. I travel up to paradise about once a month to play and record with friends. We're talking with Marta Gonzalez. Yeah, very lovely. Lead singer for the East LA band Quetzal an associate professor of Chicanx and Latinx studies at Scripps College, and also a 2022 MacArthur Fellow. And you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Let me go to caller Lynn in Walnut Creek. Hi, Lynn. Hello. Oh, I'm so grateful to get on. Marta is inspiring me. Um, I just wanted to share, um, I have a totally different background than she does, much more Northern European choral music, but was raised with a mom who was always singing in the kitchen, always went to bed hearing my dad playing the piano. And as I uh, grew and took on the profession of teaching little ones, I realized how I brought my music and um, my songwriting into my classroom. And what an amazing way to teach. Um, So unifying as a class, we became a family. But as as needed, songs would pop into my head, you know, how to teach the long vowels, how to teach the days of the week. It was all through singing. And so we would stand up and move, and the rhythm would take us, and the rhythm instruments, and um, the, the the learning that they did <clears throat> became much deeper, I believe, because it was through music. And um, continuing that now with always with my children and then my grandchildren, songs that had to do with everyday life, feelings, the weather, the fog blowing in. Um, Songs would just pop into my head, and we sing them now. My children are adults. Um, My grandchildren have grown up with songs that I I composed for bedtime, and I I hate to use the word compose because they would just (laughs) come into my head. And I would wake up in the night, and the theme would be there, and the rhythm, and the chords. And I actually feel like I am a composer, which is pretty amazing. And you are. It had on children throughout my life. I'm getting to be an old lady now, still with songs popping into my head, and very musical children and grandchildren who what I really want is for them to write them down. So... um, I can pass them along, you know, they're, I, I yes. actually think they're beautiful. I enjoy well, them and the family enjoys them. So. Yeah. Well, that's we so can really beautiful. I love that. That's exactly what goes on in my home. There are things I used to, yes, exactly the same thing. And, and my mom was always singing around the house and my dad was a singer. And so it's absolutely a part of how, and, and it just, there's something about a singing household that's, that's beautiful, uh, folks that value this, and I love hearing that. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for that. Let me see if I can squeeze Peter from Florida in here. Hi, Peter. You know, hi. You know what you just reminded me of? And this is a little anecdote. Over 100 years ago, there was a school teacher, and she made this song, and it said, Good morning, dear teacher, 
or it was like good morning to you. It became happy birthday to you. Now the most popular song in the world. And it just started as a way for the class to greet each other saying, good morning, dear teacher. <laughs> and it was just, I think they were in Kentucky or something. It's a fascinating story because, because when it was like, is that song still copyrighted? They went back to find out <laughs> what is the origin of this song. And it was really this, this it happened in a school, in like, <laughs> what I say, Kentucky. Good morning, dear teacher. It was just a way of Aww. getting the class to be happy together. And now the most yes. popular song yeah. in the world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> did yep. did you want to share something about music's impact on you, Peter? Yeah, well, um, yeah, yeah. I was, I was thinking, yeah, joining, like being part of a choir. I, You know, I have this fantasy that that would be, like, just being in a choir, you you learn the experience of like okay, tenors are going to rehearse I, through NYU, whatever. Okay, tenors get together, and it's very clunky. You're just with the other tenors. You're learning the words. You're learning the rhythm. You're learning the melody. But what's amazing is when there's going to have a group rehearsal. Mm-hmm. It's like wow, that's what it sounds like with the altos and sopranos. It's yeah. as a social experience. It's just wonderful. You mean. I was yeah. this one voice kind of clunking through, and now it's this beautiful big thing. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's such a great description of what it's like to be in choir. We're actually going to go out. Uh, we're just coming up on the end of the show with the song "Todo Lo Que Tengo." But before we go, I do. I'm sure you get asked this a lot. But do you have plans for your MacArthur winning? <laughs> 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 You know, I think it's bad luck to plan oh. money before it's in the <laughs> bank account. <laughs> okay, good, good point. Good but point. I can't. But I can't say I haven't thought about like. I think it's funny. Like I, I one of the first thing I thought of was like, oh no, taxes. You know. <laughs> so you know, um, I think about that. But I think about um, my son. He's going to start college, and so and I think about my mom and. Uh, providing for her and uh, you know a lot of what first gen um, first generation to immigrant parents like just sort of like the security that some of this will bring is is what is somewhat of a relief in my life yeah I I get that Um, well Marta (laughs) Gonzalez congratulations it's been really a pleasure to speak with you today same here thank you for having me Marta Gonzalez 2022 MacArthur fellow also uh, front woman of the band, East LA band, gets on. We're hearing Todo Lo Que Tengo. My thanks to listeners for sharing their experiences with music and questions, and to Caroline Smith for producing today's segment. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. 
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.